0: anybody need a Bible to follow along today? Um, I'm not going to jump back into our John study just yet. Uh, I'm going to pull an audible, or the Lord pulled an audible on me here. So I hope this is a blessing uh, to you. Um, You know, you could turn anywhere in your Bible. It's all good. Uh, (laughs) But um, tell me when I'm good. Josh, I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, Now, I'm going to you know, date myself, but back in the day when you stayed in a hotel before you had your phone, you would ask the front desk for a wake-up call, right? Hey, man, that's one person, right? And you call and say, I need a call, I need a wake-up call at 8 o'clock, and they'd say, okay, and the phone would ring, and when that phone rang at the appointed time, you knew it was time to stop sleeping, it was time to rise up and you know go do what you had to do. And I know, and this is kind of like what I wrestled with yesterday. It was like around eleven o'clock in the morning, and I looked at my wife and said, "I don't have a message yet." And she's looking at me like, "Really? <laughs> this is gonna be a rough day, you know." But um, I was wrestling with a bunch of things because. Part of preaching sometimes is like knowing the hour in which you're speaking and knowing like what is on people's minds and whether the Lord wants you to address it or just kind of like leave it aside, but I couldn't help but think, I know a lot of people have the Middle East on their mind. I mean, how could you not? If you're probably older than 18, you're probably watching the news or seeing things come across your way and people are wondering, you know, is this World War III or is this the beginning of sorrows and all this stuff that people might be wondering, and you don't have to say amen to that, but I'm sure you're wondering. I mean, if you've got any Bible in you and you see the Middle East go to pot like it is, you see Israel be the target of attacks like they are, you can't at least be like, Lord, what's going on here? I mean, it can't be a little bit, but um, I'll confess, I don't know what all of it means for the future. I don't know what it all means for the timing of the Lord's return, other than it's another reminder that He's close but I can't say it's going to be next year, next week, next month. I can't say that. Nobody can. But this is what I do know. I do know from the Bible that the church is supposed to watch and learn from what Israel is going through. In 1 Corinthians 10, you could... Flip there if you want. I'm not going to flip there. But in verse 11, it's talking about things that Israel went through in the past. And it says those things are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So we're supposed to always be watching Israel because that's like a barometer. That's a lightning rod. That's a tell as to what God's up to, been up to, will be up to. We're supposed to kind of pay attention a little bit. So I know you didn't ask for this. Didn't call the front desk and request this, but what's happening in the Middle East to me is God's wake-up call. Amen. It's God's wake-up call for the body of Christ. And uh, when God rings that bell, it's time to stop sleeping. It's time to wake up. It's time to answer God's wake-up call. So I'd like to just challenge you today with that thought today, God's wake-up call. Uh, I'm not going to get political, I'm not going to get, but I'm just going to look at the wake-up calls that God puts in His writings to the church, maybe contextualize a little bit as to what's going on today, and challenge you a little bit to, if you've been snoozing, wake up and uh, rise up one more time, because as I joked with Donna, we're leaving in the morning, and uh, the night is far spent. So when God allows things to shake you up like this in life, It was COVID a few years ago. That shook us up. Uh, And now it's this, and this is a shakeup. And it's not meant to hurt you. It's meant to maybe wake you. So God's wake-up call. Let's, Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you bring into our lives, Father. Some things we like, some things we don't like. But Lord, you said all things work together for good. So Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to lean on you, Father. Help us to surrender and submit to your leading in our lives. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Help us to delight in your way, Father. Help us to just... Job said, he knoweth the way that I take. Lord, we don't know tomorrow, but you know tomorrow. Help us to just do what's right in front of us now, Lord, to heed your scriptures and listen to what you have to say. Heed your Holy Spirit, and tomorrow will take care of itself, Lord. But help us today. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So give us grace for this moment right now, dear Father to hear your wake-up call, and respond however you want us to respond. In Jesus' name, for his glory we ask it. Amen. Amen. All right. I'd ask you now to turn to Romans chapter 13. I quoted a little bit, Romans 13. And again, I'm just going to walk through where God tells the church to wake up. It's only four times he talks about it, so I'll hurry through these quickly. But first thing I want to say is very simply this be as nice as I can to myself and you. It's time to wake up, saints. It's time to wake up. Romans 13, verse 11 says, and that knowing the time, and now it is high time we awake, it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. This great book of doctrine, the book of Romans, a great book of doctrine, a book about justification by faith. We trace all of our fundamental doctrines as New Testament Christians to the book of Romans. And chapters 1 to 12 is the, uh, the justification by faith, and Romans, uh, Romans 1 to 11, I should say, is the justification by faith, all the doctrine. And Romans 12 to 16 is the walk of faith. That's all the deeds. And right here in Romans 13, the great book of doctrine turns the corner with a warning to wake up. Wake up, saints. He says right there, and that knowing the time. You ever wake up in the middle of the night and check the time? You ever do that? I do that, right? You wake up, maybe you roused, go to the bathroom, whatever it is, teenagers that happens right you go to the all you start going to the bathroom in the, middle of the night right but you, you wake up middle of the night you go to the bathroom or something, you check the time because you want to see like where you are in the night like how much more do i have left to sleep how much more do i have left to snooze you want to kind of see when you are hey do you know what time it is christian you checked your watch in the night and seeing when you are and how much time you may or may not have left do you understand the time you're in believer you understand the time you're in go back to first chronicles go way back in your old testament to first chronicles which is a bunch of chapters that you probably don't read very closely but first chronicles chapter 12 the first like I guess 10 to 12 chapters are just name after name after name after name and when God just does something that seems so boring and it's boring I'll be honest with you it's boring I mean this one we got this one and this one did that one and this one was this one and... but when God kind of sticks something in there that's different and God adds a little comment about somebody in there it should jump out at you because it's all these names, and then God'll say something about a guy named Jabez, or some guy over here like that. And you know, here he's talking about all these names of the tribes of the children of Israel, and he's in chapter 12, which is the number of Israel, and he's going through the tribes of Israel, and he says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, down by verse 32, he mentions the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Do you know the time? Do you understand the times? If you know the times you're living in, you'll know what you ought to do. Do you understand the time, Christian? I remember Rachel's dad many years ago preached a message. you know what time it is? And, I, and She might not remember it, I remember it, but just over and over again he kept saying, Eddie Keeley, you know what time it is? You know what time it is? And that's the only thing I took away from that message was just that question. Do you know what time it is? Do you understand what time you're living in for such a time as this? Do you get it? Or are you still sleeping? You've got to kind of wake up and recognize, hey, what time am I living in? <laughs> I mean, globalization, sexual perversion, um, uh, immorality abounding, and now on top of all of it, Israel's in the midst of a war that they haven't experienced for 50 years? You've got to slap some cold water on your face and say, whoa, what time am I living in? It's the most exciting time in the history of the body of Christ. It's the time when the Savior of the world is getting ready to step out of heaven and bring us all home and finish his program. You get to see it. You might be a part of it. I mean, Martin Luther didn't get to see it. Hudson Taylor didn't get to see it. Peter the apostle didn't get to see it. You're living at such a time as this. You know what time it is? You watching the clock? To see when you are. If you see when you are, you know what you ought to do. That's what the children of Issachar, it says of them. Brothers, sisters, even animals and birds know the time and know what they should do at the appointed time. Do I fly south? Do I go north? Do I hibernate? Do I wake up? They know when it's time to wake up. God put that understanding in them. You're telling me God didn't put any understanding in you to know what time it is? And what you ought to do, Jesus Christ rebuked some religious Pharisees in Matthew chapter 16, verse 3. And he says, hey, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? He called them hypocrites. I don't want to be lumped in with them. I don't want to be so religious that I'm numb, so saturated in the scripture that I'm dead. That's what they were. They knew the book better than you. They could recite those Old Testament books better than our kids could this morning. But they were dead. They were lifeless. They were just going through the motions. The Savior, the Messiah was in their midst. They didn't know what time it was. They missed it. I mean... Mike's a roofer, right? Mike's my weatherman. I say, Mike, what's the weather going to be this week? And he checks it out and he looks at it and all that stuff, you know, because he's got to watch because he does roofing, so you got to watch, right? we got to watch, right? What's the week going to be like? You know, next week, God willing, if the Lord tarries, we're going to go to Aberdeen Day on Saturday. I check the weather. It says it's going to rain again on Saturday. And I'm laughing. I'm like, man, they kick it. Th-. You know, I ask myself that when I see Jesus say, hey, ye can discern the face of the sky, I ask myself this question, are you more prepared for rain this week? in the judgment seat of Christ? Amen. I mean, that's rough. <laughs> Maybe my head will get wet if I forget my umbrella. But if I go to that judgment seat of Christ unprepared, I'm going to be naked and ashamed. Amen. For a long time, a long time, a bride watches the calendar, right? She watches the calendar as her wedding day approaches, and she knows what she should do is this far out i gotta get this fitting i gotta get that fitting we gotta taste the cake we gotta do this gotta get the dj gotta get the video gotta get the photo we gotta check this right she's got it all planned out she's got a counter on her phone the clock is ticking right a bride knows her wedding day is approaching and knows what she should do as that day is approaching do you know what time it is dear bride of christ do you know what you should be doing to get ready for your wedding day The Bible says, let us be glad and rejoice, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. God's not trying to play a game of hide and seek. It's not like, ready or not, here I come. But for some of us, it's going to be like that. Like, whoa, what the? We should be getting ready. Do you know what Issachar means? Issachar means his reward will come. Let's put it all together. If you understand the times, you get his reward. The men of Issachar understood the times, and their name means his reward will come. So if you understand the times that you're living in, and you do what you ought to do, his reward will come to you. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, There is a crown of righteousness to all them that love his appearing. That's it. That's it. A reward just for looking for them. A reward just for waiting for them. A a reward just for watching for them. But how can you possibly love something if you're never looking for it? That doesn't work. Go back to Romans 13. Oh, it might be quiet today, (laughs) but it's not. This is not. This is just a challenge to you. I'm not. I don't have any inside information. I'm not like trying to skin anybody. I'm just trying to challenge you. Like I'm challenging myself. Romans 13 11 says, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. He says, if you know the time you're in, you know it's high time, you wake up. High time. We don't use that language today. It's high time. You know what that adjective high means? not what you're thinking right now, but high time means something is full. Something is complete. Something is just about over. So it's high time you wake up because the night, verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. So I read that and I got to ask myself, if it were high time 2,000 years ago. Don't you think it's high time today? I mean, it's time to wake up. (laughs) When the alarm goes off tomorrow morning, you get up, get ready for work. Or maybe you'll wake up right before the alarm like I always do. You'll see, how much time do I have left? Right? But you know what God's saying right now? Hey, the night's far spent. Time is almost say, what if the Lord doesn't come for 100 years? Your time is almost up. (laughs) If the Lord doesn't come back for 100 years, because I'm not going to set a date. I'm not. I don't know. But every day it's closer. (laughs) It's closer than it was five or so years ago when we started this church. It's closer than yesterday. It's closer every day. The countdown's getting closer every day. Time's almost up. When God's wake-up call goes off, are you really going to keep sleeping? Is that what you're going to do? God's going to shake up the world like he's done over the last three or four years, and you're just going to stay asleep? You're going to keep living like you live forever? You don't live forever. You're going to keep living like there isn't a judgment seat of Christ in your near future? You're going to keep living like you're not going to see Jesus Christ face to face, mano a mano, and stare at his eyes and see those nails in his hands, those scars in his brow, those piercings in his side? You're going to see those things. You're going to keep living like you're not going to give an account? Like, i got to ask myself the questions I'm asking you, and I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at me. Are you nuts, Pat? Are you, when are you, it's time to wake up. Doesn't mean you don't enjoy a dinner with your family. Doesn't mean you don't enjoy a vacation. You thank God for all those things, but you, you wake up a little bit and say, hey, this is what life's all about. This is what's really happening. So the first thing I want to challenge you with is just that if you're saved, and if you're not saved, that what I'm saying might sound like the most crazy stuff that you ever heard but just sit tight because I'll I'll try to plug you in but if you're saved it's time to wake up saints let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 let me give you another challenge here 1 Corinthians 15 34 how about number 2 I'll give you number 2 it's not just time to wake up saints it's time oh this one's going to hurt just brace yourself clench like Oliver getting punched in a little while, right? It's time to stop sinning, saints. I know you'll never get complete victory. God will leave enough fleas to let you know you're a dog. I know, I get all that. But you should be trying to get some of the junk out of your life. It's time to stop the sinning, saints. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, you say, where are you getting that? I'm just getting that out of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Here's a great chapter on the resurrection. And in the middle of a chapter on the resurrection, God calls us to righteousness. You know why? Because part of the package of the Lord's return is the brand new body you're going to get. That's part of the package. That's part of the fine print. That when he comes back, you're getting a brand new body. And if you look at verse 42, it's a body that will never be ashamed because of sin ever again. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Never have to say, I'm sorry. Never have to say, excuse me. Never have to weep over your mistakes or your bad choices. It's just going to be a body that all it wants to do is please God, love God, be around God, sing about God. I'm looking forward to a time when my mind's not going to betray me, when my heart's not going to betray me, when my feelings aren't going to betray me, when this body's not going to betray me. A time when a body that'll just be all in for Jesus Christ. Ain't you looking forward to that day? I know there'll be no more aches and pains. That's exciting. But I'm glad there'll be no more heartaches No more foolishness, no more stinking thinking. And it says right there in 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, that's what you have now. It is raised a spiritual body, that's what you're going to get then. So, deduce with me if you're getting a body that will never sin then, shouldn't you try to stop the sinning now? I mean, shouldn't you at least try to stop the lust? Try to stop the anger? Try to deal with the pride? Try to check the unbridled selfishness? Shouldn't you at least try, because God's going to take care of it for you in a few minutes. Shouldn't you at least show yeah, hey, Lord, I'm trying. October 27th is going to be a big day in the Mishanya house. On October 27th, the God willing, my son CJ, Lord willing, will be done with chemo. He'll be done with leukemia. God willing. I put that God willing there because it's in God's hands. But praise God. We rejoice in his goodness. We praise God for his goodness. It's all him. We give him the glory. Amen. But you know my son discovered along his treatment time? When Christian learned that cancer can feed on refined sugar, he cut it out of his life. You couldn't get my son to eat a candy bar. You'd have to tie him down and try to shove it down his throat, and he'd fight you every step of the way. He won't eat a piece of cake, he won't eat a cookie, he won't touch that stuff, one, because he's, you know, working on his super bod, but number two, he knows from reading a little bit that that stuff, cancer can feed on it. In fact, one time we get the Sloan Magazine, it's got a spoon pouring sugar on it, and it's talking about a whole article about how the findings about a cancer can feed on refined sugar. So what do they do on Friday nights in Sloan Kettering to give all the kids a candy bag? Okay, that makes sense. So my son tells his doctor one time, are you trying to keep customers in business? What's going on here? Right? So that was just him thinking a little bit. But anyway, but he says, hey, this stuff has the potential to hurt me. I'm just going to cut it out of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Brother and sister, what's it going to take for you to wake up and cut out the nonsense that's killing you? Yeah. It's always not that bad. It tastes good. It's sweet. Yeah, it could be killing you. Yeah, but this other person did it, and I see they're okay. Yeah, but it might not be the same for you. Don't you think God get, deserves the benefit of the doubt that you should cut out the stuff that he says could hurt you? Even if you could take a little bit of it, maybe you should just cut it out. You know, his doctor told Christian, oh, you could have a little bit. He said, I don't want any part of it. If it could mess me up and mess me up and have some kind of cancer that's left in my body, possibly thrive, I don't want any part of it. So hey, if a little watching the wrong stuff... Might hurt you, stop watching the wrong stuff. If a little bit of going with the wrong people might be a drain on you, stop rolling with those people. If a little bit of this or a little bit of that, I know it's sweet like sugar, but if it has the potential to hurt you in your walk, cut it out. Cut it out. You'll be better for it. They say, like, after two weeks of no sugar, you're like walking on sunshine. Your body feels fantastic. You feel good. Now, I might go home and have sugar. No, I'm not. But listen, man, I'm trying to draw the spiritual application. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.10. I know I'm preaching to your Bible 101. I'm not doing anything deep here. But, I mean, it's the, it's the basic things that we trip over. 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Bible says this. The Bible says, For We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. He's saying, hey, man, you're going to face the judgment seat of Christ as a believer. And if the judgment seat of Christ is getting closer every day, isn't it time you cut it out? I don't know what your it is, but cut it out. Just stop. Stop ceasing to this. Get it out of your diet. Cut it out. Cut it out of your life. Cut it out. Stop dancing. Stop living in two worlds. Cut it out. said, "The judgment seat of Christ is coming. Cut it out. Just cut it out. You know, you, you might rent a car for a long weekend. We did that when we went to camp a few weeks ago. And when you rent a car for a long weekend, you usually make a mess in it. Wrappers and garbage and McDonald's bags and this guy's wrapper, this lady's thing. You know, you got a lot of, you've been in there for a week, a bunch of teenagers, it gets a little messy. But when you know you need to return the vehicle, you clean it out. When you know you're returning the vehicle, you clean some stuff out. In 1 Corinthians 6, if you want to flip back there, 1 Corinthians 6 says over there in verse 19, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, This is how I know the Holy Spirit might be Italian, because it starts with, What? You know, that's how we answer each other in the house. What? Daddy, what? The Holy Spirit's saying, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's saying, hey, man, that's not your vehicle you're riding in. I bought that body with my blood. You're getting ready to return it to me. Clean it out. Cut it out and clean it out. That's what he's saying. He said, oh, but I have made a mess. Okay, okay, me too. Maybe you've made a mess in your vehicle. But if you know the return date is approaching, now is the time to wake up and clean it out. Clean it out. Get some help. Clean out your vehicle. He says over there in chapter 15, I'm just going to flip there again. I want to read that verse again. He says, 1534, he says, Awake to righteousness, and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Your holy living is more of a witness than all the tracts you ever give out. Your holy living is more of a testimony to your family than any word, Bible story, lesson, devotional you've ever read to them. Your holy living speaks more volumes than anything you could say with your words. Your life speaks more than your lips. Now, you should speak with your lips. But I read this verse and I say, what a shame that your actions don't speak more loudly for the Lord. That my actions don't speak more loudly for the Lord. That I look like I'm sleeping like everybody else half the time. If World War III did blow us all away, Could your friends and family point a finger at you at the judgment, at that white throne? Salvation. I saw the way Pat lived. I saw the way he lived. You're telling me he was saved? That's a shame. I don't want to be ashamed. Do you want to be ashamed? You say, but Pat, I know but this, but that. I know, like Pastor Mel used to say, get your butts out of God's way. But this, but that. Listen, somebody said, when you reach for the stars... You may not get one, but you won't end up with a handful of mud either. If you work on that thing that's been struggling with you, whether it's lust or pride or self, whatever it is, you get some verses, you start studying that, you pray about that, you fast about that, you say, God, I'm going on attack mode. I want to cut this out of my life. Guess what? You may not get it, but all of it out, but you'll be better than when you were when you started. You won't be any worse if you try to get the sin out of your life. I guarantee you'll be better. So it's time to stop the sin, saints. Number three, go to Ephesians chapter 5. It's time to stop the sin. Time to just stop playing. Stop playing with your hand in the cockatrice's den. Stop sticking your hand in the snake hole and thinking you're not going to get bit. You're not the exception. You're just going to prove the rule. It's time to stop. Okay, it's been fun in the sandbox, kiddies, but it's time to come out with the adults now. right? It's time to grow up and put your big boy pants on, your big girl pants on. Stop crying in your beer. Stop woe is me. Stop this and stop that. And just get yourself some Bible and go on for God. It's time to stop all that sin. Just cut all that stuff out. The Lord's coming. He'll settle it all. He'll fix it all up. Right? Wouldn't you rather be doing what God said when he comes? Trying anyway? Than just following your own foolishness? Just following your own foolishness. Right? Time to stop. Time to stop the sin. As best you can. God helping you. But he'll help you. That's His will. His will is your sanctification. His will is that you get the dirtiness out of your vessel. That's God's will. See What's the will of God? Get the sin out of this place. Get it out of your temple. Work on it. If you worked on that till the Lord came back, you'd shine. You'd shine. And here's number three. It's time to start serving, saints. It's time to wake up. It's time to stop the sin. And it's time to start The service, saints. It's time to start serving. Ephesians 5.14 says, "...wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light." In this section on your walk of Ephesians, right? Ephesians is the great book to the body of Christ. Chapters 1 to 3 are all about uh, uh, the doctrine. And chapters 4 to 6 are all about uh, the deeds. Chapters 1 to 3 are all about the way to God and the work of God. And chapters 4 to 6 are all about the walk with God, the walk with Christ. And he says in chapter 5 right there, I'm not telling your body to rise from the dead. I'm not talking about your resurrected body. It's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about your resurrected walk. See verse 2? Walk in love as Christ also had loved us and given himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He says, hey, walk sacrificially like your Savior did. Verse number 8, he says, walk as children of light. He says, walk separately from the darkness I called you out of. Verse 15, he says, walk circumspectly. Walk with the knowledge of the battle that you're in, not foolishly like everybody else who pretends there is no God. You know why you got to watch your walk? Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'll show you. Go to 1 Timothy 5. Let me show you. I'm hurrying too. Those sweet kids took some of my time, so I'm hurrying, but I'm I'm trying to get this all in. 1 Timothy 5. They could go as long as they want. 1 Timothy 5. As long as I get to go as long as I want. No, I'm kidding. 1 Timothy 5, verse 6. This is talking about saved widows in the church. You know what he says about a saved widow, a lady? 1 Timothy 5, 6. I want you to see it. If you're there, say amen. Amen. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. You're the bride, right? Your husband deceased and went back home. Your savior. So you're kind of like that widow. You're living in pleasure? Just living for you? If you're living in pleasure, God says right there, you can be dead while you're still living. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light wake up from living for yourself wake up for living just for the next creature comfort wake up look at second timothy chapter 3 look at second timothy chapter 3 are you a dead man walking you're alive in Christ, but you're as good as dead because you're living for self, you're living for pleasure, you're living for your happiness, you're living for your joy, you're living for me, 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 my, 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 my. It's all that you're warming up for that chorus, I know. Me, 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 my, 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 my. You're just warming up so you could sing your song, I know. All that me, 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 my, 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 That stuff is right out of hell. How is that God? God's all about others, others. Jesus, others, yourself. That's how you get joy, J-O-Y. What's this stuff about putting yourself first? Where'd you get that from? You got that from a Bible? You didn't get that from a Bible. You pulled that out of your proverbial butt. That's where you pulled that out of. Or somebody else's butt pulled it out and gave it to you. God said, put me first, others second, and then you'll have the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. But we get everything but backwards and we go put ourselves first and think somehow we'll get the joy first. And when you put yourself first, you don't get joy, you get yoj. I don't know what word yoj is. Yourse- or yojyo. I don't know, but you gotta put, you got to spell it right. It's J-O-Y. Jesus, others, yourself. 2 Timothy 3, a warning to the last days. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Look what he says in verse 4. What people will be like. Traitors, heady, high minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. The Lord warned that in the last days of the church, believers would be living for themselves. God called us out. 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit said, Timothy, you know what's gonna happen? everybody that professes my name is going to live for themselves and forget all about me. Lovers of pleasures. And if God's given you his wake-up call, don't you think it's a good time to start living for the Lord? I don't want the keys to your boat. I just want you to live for God and put him first on the throne of your heart. That's what I'm after. That's what he's after. Let's go back to Ephesians 5. Look what he says back there in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 like I said, I didn't expect a lot of amens on this. It's a, it's a sobering, challenging message to preach, because i got a target on my back preaching it, because you're all sitting there watching me now and saying, oh, let's see what he's like. I'm going to watch him like a hawk. Let's see if he practices what he preaches. I know. i got warts and all, just like you. But I know what the Bible says is the direction I should be going. I can't lie about that. Even if I miss it a little bit, I know the direction I should be going. Ephesians 5, 14, he says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, pleasure, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Hey, are the days evil? Oh, we'll say amen to that. (laughs) oh look at this over here look at these perverts over there look what's on the tv look at how they're grooming the kids look what they're doing over here look at the wars look at the rumors of war look at the globalization look at the one world this look at the one world that do you understand the implication of all that evil day that you're seeing the implication is then if you know the days are evil start redeeming the time more that's the application Because if you sit there and stare at the news all day and get yourself all riled up, it doesn't do anything. He that observeth the cloud and the wind forgets to sow and forgets to reap, Ecclesiastes says. I'm not just watching the storms of life. Oh, look at the storms of life. Look at the spirits. Look at this. Look at that. No, God says, get yourself some seed and sow and get yourself some water and reap. Because if all you're doing is, oh, look at the signs of the times, Look look at the wind, look at the clouds, look at the storm on the horizon, God says, you're missing the point. If you know the days are evil, redeem the time. If there was something you wanted to do for God, now is the time to do it. I don't know what you're waiting for. Rapture number two, I don't know what you're waiting for. Door number three, I don't know what you're waiting for. But if there's something on your heart, I want to get involved in the ministry, I want to read my Bible more, I want to pray more faithfully, I want to hand out tracts, I want to go to one of these. I don't know what it is. I don't know. But if there's something on you, I want to witness to my family, I want to write somebody a letter, I want to, hey, if there's something out there that you're wondering about, something out there that you're desiring, well then, now is the time to do it. Yeah. You know, in baseball, I'm not a big baseball fan, I know we got some baseball players in here, but in baseball, when there's two outs, right, Matt Maeda, you run on everything. Right? Two outs, you don't play a conservative. Two outs, that ball gets hit, you run. You run on everything because you got nothing to lose. There's no time left. There's no outs left. So that ball goes up, that ball goes down. Wherever they hit it, they make contact. You run. You run on everything. Brethren, if we're coming to the end, if there's not a lot of time left, you run on everything. Because you got nothing to lose. You only just got something to gain. You run for the job. You run for the kids. You run for everybody else. How about running for God. How about running for the Lord? Most of us are run down and running out of gas, running to please ourselves. That's just the God's truth. I'm myself's in that bucket. But 2 Timothy 2.4, I'll flip there, hurry on over there, I'll read that for you, or if you want to read it too. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, no man that warreth." entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier if god's called you into his army shouldn't you be running a little bit to please him looking for ways to please him looking for ways to satisfy him so i don't know what to do did you ever ask ask me i'll play holy spirit i got a long list of stuff that could be done I got ideas in my head of stuff that we could do that if I just had the manpower to do it, I'd turn the whole county upside down. But the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. So hey, don't wonder if there's nothing to do. There's something to do. Somebody said one time, the highest form of worship is the worship of unselfish Christian service. When you start putting yourself last and start putting the mission first. But you know the reason more believers don't serve the Lord? It's, I mean, I could say, look, God will equip you. God will help you. God will strengthen you. God will reward you. And you'll go, yeah, on a Sunday morning. You'll say, amen, on a Sunday morning. Crowns to cast at his feet. Eternal glory to share him with Jesus Christ. Join heirs with him, ruling and reigning in his kingdom forever and ever. And I could say that and pump you up. And some of you look at me like I'm crazy. But some of you, you're like, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, rule and reign with Christ. Yes, yeah, serve God. Make my life count for eternity. Hallelujah, yeah. And tomorrow comes. And then Tuesday comes. And the reason more believers don't serve the Lord is this service requires sacrifice. The first mention of worship in the Bible is connected to sacrifice. Genesis 22, verse 5. Abraham has taken Isaac up on the top of a hill, and he says, me and the boy are going to go yonder and worship. He was going to sacrifice his son. You can't have worship without sacrifice. You can't serve God without giving something up. My brother, Amy Carmichael, the missionary to India, said, one can give without loving, but one cannot love without giving. Right? i mean it's just i know i know well, some people are faking it and some people are doing it for eye service i know but what about you what are you giving another preacher said no sacrifice should be too great for him who gave himself for us i mean if the first time of worship is a man giving his son up what do you think that's the center of it guys god wants you to remember when you worship me what are you sacrificing because i gave my very best i gave my son What are you letting go of? What are you giving up? What are you laying aside that you might worship me, serve me? I know this hurts, but it needs to be said. It's God's wake-up call to all of us. It's time to stop making Jesus Christ part of your life and make Jesus Christ all of your life. So that sounds fanatical. That is the normal Christian life nobody read the bible and said we're supposed to be lukewarm tepid christians who go to church once in a while when it fits our schedule you didn't get that from the new testament but we've gotten so far removed from bible christianity while professing to be bible christianity it's time to wake up it's time to stop giving god your scraps and start giving jesus christ your main course it's time you stop fitting Christ around your calendar and fit your calendar around Christ. It's time we stop all the I got us and start the I get to serve the king of kings. You've got to change your perspective, folks. When the enemy knows he has a short time, the devil himself, you know what he does? You read about it in Revelation 12. He gives it everything he's got. When Satan knows he has a short time, Revelation tells us he gives it everything he's got. Are you going to tell me you don't have as much zeal and devotion for the Lord as the devil does for his wickedness? Hey, watch him. He's on overtime right now, right? Satan is like dumping it on. He's going after the kids. He's going after I mean he's like on all fronts, economically, spiritually, socially, everything. He is attacking all fronts. You talk about Israel fighting a three-front war. The body of Christ has got a 360-degree front war. Pick something. Finances, we got the global currency around the corner. They're going to control your life like a like a dog on a leash. Right? We got, we got, uh, uh, we got social justice social we got societies ready to tear themselves apart we're tearing each other apart over stuff that what that we never had a problem with when i was a kid we all played in the same kickball game if we were purple or blue or yellow we just threw the ball we kicked and we had fun together now they got you so riled up against each other they want you to kill each other beat each other up with a statue you tore down you think it's all by accident we got the kids now. The kids don't know what pronoun to use. Uh, who's a they and a Z and a this and that. And we don't know what we're even talking about. We don't even know what language we're speaking anymore to each other. How is Z doing? I don't know. Are you, uh, how is Z? I don't know. What is Z talking about? Right? What does that mean? Right? It's all fronts. Because he says, hey, I read the Bible this week. And Lucifer's like, I read the Bible. It says I got a short time. I better just give it everything I got. And a Christian with the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood, reads the same Bible, says, yeah, I got a little bit of time left. What can I do for myself? And you don't have as much zeal as the devil. You don't have as much devotion as Lucifer. You're getting outpassioned by Splitfoot, who doesn't know salvation, who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who's just got a heart like an adamant stone. Ephesians 5.14, it said, this is my last, well, not my last, Second to last verse. It said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. He said, Pat, I don't know what to do. I'm so, like, busy. I'm so plugged in. I'm so entangled. I don't know what to do either. I don't know. But it says, Christ shall give thee light. You may not know how to entangle yourself or what to do to serve God, but... Christ will light your way. He promises, hey, if you're willing to get up, I'll light the way. I may not show you five years down the road. I might just show you five steps. But his word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. That's the promise. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. The question is, are you willing? Amen. That's always the question. The question is the same question Jesus asked Peter. Hey, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? You say, Lord, I don't know how to walk this back. I don't know how to run this back. I've gone so far down in this direction. I just, I just feel like I should just keep going this way. I, I know it's the wrong way deep down, but I just feel like I should just keep going this way because I made my bed. I guess I got to lie in it. God says, no, 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 if you'll wake up, I'll give you light. I'll show you the way of escape. I promised you there are no temptation taking you, but I'll make a way to escape. I'll not lay upon you more than is right that you should enter into judgment with me. I'll, I'll show you the way out. Are you willing? Lovest thou me more than these? Whatever these things are that you're clinging to that you're so wrapped up and tied up in, do you love me more than these? If you love me more than these and you're willing to let them go, I'll show you how to get victory. I'll show you how to do it. I'll give you the light. I've been saying it nonstop. I've been reading Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. I recommend it to everyone. The spiritual secret of Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China. He started the China Inland Mission. He lost a lot. I'm so convicted by it, I could barely even read it sometimes. I share it with my wife the next morning, I weep. He lost his wife, his first wife. Sad. He lost Anne. You know, Ann was saying, I'm so sorry i got to leave you, honey, with all this work that you have to do. That's what they talked about before she went to heaven. Lost his darling Gracie, his first daughter. Lost her. You know, broke him. Broke him. Broke him. Sleepless nights, grief and anxiety. These guys, they weren't superheroes. They bled just like you. They wept just like you. They had worries and children just like you. And he'd walk along with his Gracie. And she saw a man one time building an idol. He said, oh, Papa, he would never be building that idol if he didn't know about Jesus. Won't you tell him, Papa? Won't you tell him? And that was who God took. God took his little Gracie. God took his little Gracie. And then God took his wife. And God took some of his babies a week after they were born. And all this stuff. And started to take his health away. You know what he says at the end of this book, as recorded He says, there is a needs be for us to give ourselves for the life of the world, because Jesus gave himself for the life of the world. An easy, non-self-denying life will never be one of power. Fruit-bearing involves cross-bearing. And this is what I like he said. There are not two Christs, (laughs) an easygoing one for easygoing Christians and a suffering, toiling one for exceptional believers. There is only one Christ. Are you willing to abide in Him and thus bear much fruit? In conclusion, I'm going to read this and then we'll pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's time to wake up. It's time to stop sinning. It's time to start serving. And last, I'll leave you with this thought. It's time to sober up, saints. And I know this was a sobering message, and maybe you'll never grace these walls again because you're like, that's too much for me to handle. I'm just preaching it the way I see it. But i got to tell you the truth, or else I wouldn't be fit to open the Bible up. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5, the Lord says, you're all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. By our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. He's saying, whether you wake up or stay asleep, Jesus is coming for you. Whether you wake up and and do the things we talked about today, or you just take this message and say, okay, what's for lunch and forget everything I said, it doesn't matter as far as God's concerned. If you're saved, guess what? He's coming for you. Wouldn't you rather be awake when he came? Wouldn't you rather be watching when he came? Oh, how uncomfortable it is when you oversleep for something important like work. Oh, I hate that. You wake up late for work, and you're like, ah, you know, you're running, your heart's racing. You get, I hate that. I hate it. It drives me crazy. I hate it. I probably wake up before the alarm, because I just hate it so much. I hate, like, running out the door unsettled like that. How uncomfortable it will be for a believer to be caught snoozing when the trumpet sounds. You think it's upsetting to be late for work and be like, oh, you know, you know, oh, <laughs> and you're running out the door. What's it going to be like if the trumpet sounds and you're sound asleep? Because whether we wake or sleep, we're going to live together with him. It doesn't matter. You don't hasten his coming. He's coming on his schedule. It's, you're going to be awake for it or you're going to be sleeping for it. But whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Amen. People have been talking about World War III, the threat of nuclear annihilation, right? That, since Ukraine, that's been talking about. Somebody going to push the button? Fancy this thought and then we'll pray. What if someone pushes the button? What if somebody pushes the button? The world's going to hear, boom! And you hear your bridegroom Amen. at the same time. Amen. What if it goes down like that? What if when he go, when the world goes, boom, you're hearing, come up hither? Amen. You won't be able to sleep through God's wake-up call then. So, why would you want to try and sleep through God's wake up call now? Let's pray.